I love just listening to someone preach the word. I'm not here to judge you. I am here to let you minister to my soul. And I think that's what we should all be saying to our pastors and preachers to say, open the word of God and show me how the word of God needs to minister to my soul. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac. We're starting a new three-week series this week called Confused Church. This series is going to look into three areas in regards to church life, analyze where and how we're confused about them, and then provide biblical reasons for doing it the right way. This first week, we're looking at the pastor and why you should listen to them. Uh, With me for this week is Dr. John Neufeld, who pastored one of the largest churches in Canada. Next week, we look at what it means to sing with one another and the importance to worship corporately in your church. And last week, we're going to be looking at community, what it means to fellowship and live together as one body. We're calling this whole series Confused Church, based on the fact that many people are consciously or unconsciously confused at the importance, the necessity, and the benefit of listening and singing and living with one another as the church. So here's my conversation with Dr. John Newfeld. Well, I'm in the studio today with Dr. John Newfeld. Good to have you here with me. Great to be here. Uh, we are in a series right now called Confused Church, and the idea behind this uh, three-week series is this, that many people, uh, not just the younger generation, but really all demographics, all ages, are either consciously or unconsciously confused about church, about its purpose, about its value. You see people like, ah, oh, you know what, if I'm free on a Sunday, I'll go, but if I'm busy, if my kid's got a soccer game or whatever, then I'm going to do that instead. They're just confused on the value and the and the purpose. And I even thought like, okay, even 20 years ago, starting 20 years ago, there seemed to be this no church movement where Christian leaders and uh, were sort of blogging and talking about this idea that I can be a good and faithful biblical Christian and not go to church. So anyways, that's what this whole series is about. And today with me, Dr. John Neufeld is going to be talking uh, with me. We're going to have a conversation about the importance of, of sort of the role of the uh, church member in listening to their, to their local pastor and the importance of being with uh, the church, being next to people in the pews or in the chairs and listening and heeding the words of, the, of, their, of their personal local preacher. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. So firstly, I mean, when we, first ta- we were first talking about this, you said, hey, I want to talk about that no church movement. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me what you think about that. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not the first time, of course, that I've heard it, and we've all right. heard it before, and you hear people that almost proudly say they don't go to church, yeah. right? Because yeah. I can just follow Jesus. And to that, I have a common standard response, and that is there's not one single book of the New Testament that's written to an individual. Hmm. Every one of them are written to a local church. Now, sometimes people say, well, how about First Timothy? Well, he was called upon to set in order that which had gone awry in the church in Ephesus. Right. Uh, every single book of the Bible is written to a church. So if you want to be an individualized Christian, actually the New Testament isn't for you. It was written to the church. <laughs> That's right. right? Yeah. So there is no individualistic expression of the Christian faith that we find in the New Testament at all. Right. So you could explain even Philemon and Titus. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Titus, so, of course, pastored again. And Philemon, there would have been a, in Colossae, there would have been a church that met in his home. Right. And what was written to him has huge ramifications for that church and all churches in their treatment of slaves. And uh, it's you know, the, the implications are huge. So again, I wouldn't say to you that there are actually no exceptions to that. Everything was written to a local church. Would you say, though, that the, the, the reason why many of these people are kind of backing away from church is because of the rise in our autonomous culture? Would oh, there are a number of reasons for that. I'm okay. sure that the cultural reason is a huge reason okay. for it. Um, because we do live in, you know, as you said, the age of autonomy. But I think there are other reasons as well. Mm. I think there is a profound ignorance of what the New Testament teaches mm. or of the reason even for fellowship why God gave it to us. Right. And that it is, in fact, a means of grace. And so, uh, you know, we can talk about that too. Yeah. But uh, I think that a lot of it is just not understood, and the place, the central place of the church in the New Testament, uh, a lot of people don't understand it. Interesting. All right, well, let's get get on to some of our questions here. So firstly, how should any given congregation view its pastor? And then we can kind of get into what does the Bible even say about overseers and pastors? And overseers, there are actually two words for that kind of senior leadership in local church, and uh, the word overseer is a translation that comes from the Greek word episkopos, Mm -hmm. and in the older translation, that was actually translated as a bishop. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean bishop. I think uh, overseer is the right translation, and it probably is a leadership term that was borrowed from the wider Greek culture. And then the other uh, word that we have is the word presbyteros, which we get the word elder from. Mm. And both of them really refer to the same office. So um, when uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 1 to 5, he speaks as an elder, he speaks to other elders, and he says, shepherd the flock which is under your care. So the, the, the central task that the primary leadership has is to shepherd God's people. And the reason I raised this, Isaac, is because I think that one of the things that's happened in so many churches, they'll talk about our pastor or our pastors, and then they'll talk about our elders as if these are two groups of people. Right. Whereas a matter of fact, from First Peter, it says to the elders, mm. this is your task, pastor the people. Interesting. You know, so the fact that we talk about pastors and elders as two separate groups of people indicates that we've already misunderstood right. the biblical teaching about leadership. Well, you, you, you look at even uh, uh, the staff of a church with leadership, and you have deacons, elders, teaching pastor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, small groups pastor. There's so many of these things, right? And people get confused on, well, who's in charge here? You know? Yeah, so it should be that the shepherds, and that's the New Testament teaches, the shepherds, those who care for the souls of people, which includes teaching them, uh, correcting them when they're in error, comforting when they're sorrow. All of the issues of life is the task of a shepherd, and those, according to the New Testament, are given leadership in the local church. Now, sometimes in local churches, you, you have elders who aren't shepherds, yeah. and they're not actively involved in caring for people. I always say these are the so-called elders who don't smell like sheep. <laughs> they haven't been among them. They don't know what their issues are, but they show up at a boardroom table and make decisions. Right. And that's actually not the New Testament style of leadership. So right. I think that's, I think, crucial. But once we understand that, we will see that leadership has been entrusted to those who carry the burden of walking with God's people and ensuring that they safely arrive at heaven's gate. Exactly. So many churches today, though, have this one main lead pastor, yeah. single human... 
Do we see that in the New Testament or do we see, like you're saying, this rather an eldership group yeah. shepherding one church? Yeah, there are no examples of a single elder in any local New Testament church. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a principal preacher in a local church, which is really another matter. All elders may have to divvy out their duties. Right. You know, some of them are perhaps spending their primary area in uh, reaching the lost. Maybe they're elder overseeing evangelism and outreach, or maybe they're elder overseeing areas of, you know, counseling for and caring for those who have gone astray. And there's a whole host of different areas. So I'm not saying that the person we usually call the pastor is the person we think of as the chief preacher. But in the New Testament, that individual joins a company of leaders who shepherd together. Interesting. That's good. So in saying that then, the right view of a church member to view their pastor and elders is my my shepherd. My shepherds. That's right. So you should look at a number of people, however large that number is. New Testament never designates the number. I mean, practical wisdom sometimes designates. You can't have, you know, 80, 90 of them. How does that get done? Oh, exactly. Uh, But you have a number of people who together bear the burden of making sure God's people. And remember, the issue is not how do we make sure we meet the budget. The issue is not how do we take care of all of the incidental, you know, details that, you know, all of the the stuff that doing church requires us to do. But the issue is how do we care for the souls of God's people? Yeah. So if I'm a if I'm a church member in a church and I understand them to be my shepherds yes. then I have to be okay with them like either t- telling me like disciplining me mm-hmm. right because that's what shepherds do with sheep they yeah. gather them together they so I mean there's a lot of implications there that we'll that we'll get into more so there seems today to have been a a loss of sort of reverence um of uh, for pastors today or the shepherds in churches and why why do you think that is uh, again, I think uh, there's been a loss of reverence for the local church as well. That's what mm. we just talked about. And so I think it's part and parcel of that. But there's something also unique because we look at, for instance, the political realm and wherever, or the business realm and yeah. wherever we see what we consider individuals who lead or who have power, and we have been taught to mistrust them. Yeah. Now, I don't want to say that you ought to give shepherds a blank slate. I have long argued, Isaac, in my ministry that if, for instance, a shepherd of a local church is found to be uh, sexually um, impure, uh, committed adultery, or involved in some other sexual misdeed, they need to step down. Mm. Yes, they need to repent, but I do believe they need to step down. I would say the same is true for financial uh, misdeeds, right? and uh, there may be some areas also of the abuse of power. But in a lot of those cases in power, I think we can correct shepherds. But you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Shepherds are, in the end, accountable also to the people that they lead. Right. But you're asking me a different question. What is the attitude that the sheep should have towards their shepherd? Yes. And in Hebrews, we are told that we are to submit to those who are in leadership because they keep watch over your souls as men who must give an account. Mm-hmm. And so you want to do it in such a way that makes their task to be a one that's joyful rather than burdensome. Right. Uh, and in fact, overwhelms them with the amount of you know criticism and everything else that comes their way. Our first response to our shepherds should be, how do we build them up? How do we lift them up? How do we make their task easier? Right. And I, I mean, I think, though, if we ask 
many Christians in churches, what is your view of your pastor that unfortunately wouldn't be their first, you know? Yeah, and, and let me say this as well, because the, the person that one often sees is the person who's been charged with the preaching on Sunday morning. Yeah. So that that individual preaches the Word of God, and so, you know, it's kind of like Olympics, and you hold up, you know, that person gets a 5.2, and that person gets a 1.4, and right. that's a 10 sermon. You know, we, we do that, we go home and criticize them. And, and a little anecdote. Yeah. I mean, I've taught preachers for many years, and sometimes when I'll show up in... Uh, in one of my students' churches, yeah. and they'll say, I didn't know you were coming. And I'll say, you know, listen, I loved just listening to someone preach the word. I'm not here to judge you. Yeah. I am here to let you minister to my soul. Cool. And I think that's what we sh- should all be saying to our pastors and, preach- and preachers to say, open the word of God mm-hmm. and show me how the word of God needs to minister right. to my soul. Right. And then be grateful to God because he has given this means of grace, the preached word of God, mm-hmm. uh, to instruct me. That's really good. Um, I went online to see you know, some other uh, Christian leaders and what their thoughts on were why many people um, are losing trust in their in their pastors. And some of the results were interesting. One of the first ones was the moral failures of a minority of pastors receive widespread coverage. And because of that, yeah. it makes a lot of people just, what about my pastor, right? And especially with social media and the internet, I mean, we hear about these huge Christian leaders that have, are very popular and famous. Yeah. If they fall, uh, then it creates inside a lot of people this idea where, well, can I trust my my pastor? You know, absolutely, and that's one of the reasons why I say in that case, we don't want to throw that person away yeah. um, that has failed morally. But I think we do want to remove that person from leadership, surround that person with people yeah. who love that person, and recognize that through this, that when someone is given a position that everybody looks at, you know, the sins of that person are far more evident than the sins of the of the person who doesn't have that kind of a limelight. Right. So I think we need to recognize that. Yeah. Uh, but we also need to hold individuals accountable. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. It That's does good. create that in in yeah. many people. It does, and there's a, there's a m- more there. I'll actually underneath this uh, podcast episode, I'll I'll list out some more of them because they're very interesting. Huh. Let's move on to the next question, though. Um, Christians all over the world today, because of the internet, they can listen to like top quality sermons by theologians, yeah. major pastors, all on their own as m- as much as they want in one day. And I, I mean, I listen to many different yep, pastors and preachers. That. And it's so why is it important for Christians to listen to their, you know, local yeah. pastor down the street that has a congregation of 50? So pretty much we're asking what's so important about me showing up on Sunday morning yeah. with my family, with my, you know, fellow church members and listening to this unknown Preacher. Yeah. And uh, I want to say, first of all, I don't want to discourage God's people from listening to podcasts and radio broadcasts and the numerous different ways that we get access now to individuals who preach the gospel very well. Mm -hmm. So keep doing that, I want to say to people. (laughs) You'll be so encouraged. But something unique happens that all of the podcasts in the world can accomplish in the local church. First of all, the person who's preaching in your local church is one of your shepherds who must give an answer to God for the estate of your own soul. No podcast preacher does that. Mm-hmm. So if the guy in the pulpit does can't hold a candle to the person you've been listening to, remember the person you've been listening to is not giving watch over your soul. Wow. You know, keep yeah. that in mind. Yeah. 
and recognize the burden that God has given. Second thing I'd want to say is when you listen in the context of the local church, you're doing it in fellowship with the brothers and sisters that you walk with. I mean, podcast listening by the very nature of the thing is an individualistic thing. And we've been talking about individualism and the great problem with individualism. So, I mean, look, I'm I'm the preacher at Back to the Bible Canada, (laughs) and I know that in some sense I'm encouraging individualism when people listen. And that's why we always say you've got to get to your local church. That's right. And the cool thing is many churches will uh, will get their Bible study programs to somehow deal with, uh, you know, the practical application of what they've heard on Sunday right. so that God's people together will incorporate what they're hearing and interact with the Word together. Right. Nothing of that kind happens on an individualistic basis. Yeah, that's good. So what would you say to a, a Christian in a church that they just don't feel as though, now it might just be their problem, you might say that, but if they don't feel as though this pastor, their pastor, their shepherd is really taking care of their soul. They're like, they go up there on a Sunday morning and they preach a message that's very crisp and clean, but I don't hear from them. They don't even know my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose the bigger the church becomes, the more likely that becomes. Right. But, I mean, having pastored a very large church, mm. uh, I do recognize the importance of me interacting with God's people. I tried to do as much as I right. could. Um, and then also, if you're in a large church, and that's, I think, what you're describing, right. you're going to have a number of other shepherds who deal with your own individual that's needs. That's right. So, but, you know, if you're in a larger church, your pastor is not absent from you. Mm. I hung out in the, in the foyer all the time cool. and just interacted and prayed with people on a regular basis. And sometimes people would actually say to me, you know, we saw you praying for somebody, and it just encouraged me. Mm. And, and that in and of itself, I think, is encouraging. That's so, really cool. Yeah. So I'm going to say that in most cases, I mean, there might be some exceptions, but in most cases... You know, the person that preaches is deeply concerned with the individuals. That's so good. That's awesome. Um, when it comes to church in general, what can we learn from... We were talking about the Puritans, right? Yeah. So what can we learn from the Puritans when it comes to pre- preparing for church, uh, your heart and your mind for uh, yeah. for church? You know, we had had this conversation prior to doing this, and, yeah. and I had made mention of the fact that, you know, the Puritans did a lot in terms of how to prepare yourself for worship on the Lord's Day. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we don't think about that. So the Puritans would have said, I mean, are you, you know, are you falling asleep late? They would have said, how can your mind be active? So maybe, you know, you ought to turn, you know, in our conversation, yeah. you ought to turn off your television yeah. and all the other stuff that you do right. and kind of settle your mind and make sure that the day before worship is a day in which you've become quiet before the Lord mm-hmm. and, and you've got a, a preparation and an expectation in your heart God's people are about to gather. I mean, we may be sharing in the Lord's table together, which is a holy thing. I mean, the declaration of God's word is a holy thing. So I'm about to, you know, partake in that which God has provided for my soul. So I had to build anticipation the night before. Well, it's it's incredible. The the thought of... uh... You know, it's so countercultural to think that here's a Christian that's actually going to go to sleep a little bit earlier on Saturday night now, yeah. <laughs> just so he can get up early enough to to prepare, have the right mind and a right heart, so he's not tired and sleepy and all that kind of stuff. To to say that to a Christian now is quite like new. Like that's a new thought to some. Uh, to yeah, a lot of and it's amazing because just a few generations ago, that was such a common thought. Right. And so perhaps we need to learn, relearn what some of our older brothers and sisters have gone home to be the Lord exactly. that they have taught us. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, you know, perhaps we should listen to some of that counsel. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So 
what are, to the last question now, what are some of the immediate practical and spiritual steps um, to becoming a more attentive and diligent sheep? Yeah. <laughs> How can we be better sheep uh, uh, for, our pa- for our shepherds, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously for our own souls? Yeah, I would say that, you know, first of all, that every single person in the church needs to learn their spiritual gift and actively be using them to build up the local church. We all need skin in the game. Mm. We all need to commit ourselves, um, uh, be involved in volunteering for things, uh, become aware of what you're good at by the gift of the Holy Spirit, and, and you know, don't make it the church out there. Make it about ourselves. And I think that makes for great church members mm. because when we are actively involved in building up our own church, that's great. I would think the other thing that we ought to do is, you know, make our testimony well known so that if, you know, the local church becomes a place where you, you know, invite your non-Christian friends or people that God has given you, you know, come join me. Right. Boy, you've got now more skin in the game than ever before. So those are the kind of things that can make it very, very much uh, more helpful to us so that we're not the critics, but our participators together. That's really good. And and lastly, as a a bonus question, I just remembered as we were talking here, when someone says, my shepherd is Christ, and why does this man or whatever on the stage... They're fallible. So Christ is my shepherd. What, what would you say to people that are a little bit more stubborn that way? Yeah, I would say to them that, uh, you know, imagine an American military man says, I don't take an order from my commanding officer. I take an order only from the president. Well, the president has appointed people to deal mm. with you. Christ has appointed under shepherds under him. Listen to them. That's really good. Well, thank you so much, Dr. John. That uh, serves our time here really well. So thank you very much for speaking into this issue. Thanks for having me. was Dr. John Newfeld and I talking about the local church pastor and listening as a church community. If today's podcast brought up questions you have about pastors and churches and listening to the pastor as a church, uh, we'd love to try and do our best to answer them. Email your questions and your thoughts to info at indoubt.ca or just comment on this episode post uh, on our Facebook page. Well, that wraps up the Indoubt podcast. Thanks for listening. For more episodes from previous weeks, go to indoubt.ca and be sure to check out our blog and other resources as well. Until next week, I'm Isaac and this is the Indoubt Podcast. The Indoubt Podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's young adult ministry, Indoubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.